Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Welcome to a new post-game episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. The Blackhawks do fall once again, 5-4 to four in overtime to the Florida Panthers. Uh, Pat said it best before we started, this was the most Blackhawks way to lose. Some positives, but yet again, uh, four games in a row giving up five goals. Not good. We got to see Lankinen in the net tonight. He looked a little bit better than Subban and Delia did. Still didn't get the outcome we wanted. Uh, to, uh, to bring it a solid game. Uh, Kane once again extending his scoring streak to three games. Kubalik getting two goals in there. It was nice to see that. I know Pat, you were excited about the Kubalik goals. Yeah, and I think a lot of that speaks to the first three games. Kubalik was getting pretty much screwed on ice time. We talked about this in our first post game episode where Kubalik only had like 11 or 12 minutes on the ice and nobody really understood why and even Colin when he was addressed that question in the post game interviews he kind of beat around the bush and is like listen we're going to put out, put guys in the ice that are ready to play and for some reason they're making it seem like Kubelik wasn't ready to go and it's three straight games where Kubelik is getting been it's really just been barely peaking over 10 11 12 minutes a period or on the ice and complete in the entire game and it's I feel like it started to piss him off, and he went out there and played with a chip on his shoulder, and he just started, started firing pucks on that. At the end of the day, he was second place for the Rookie of the Year. He had a shit ton of points last season. He's got a great shot on him. He's just got to take the shot, and I think he saw it a lot tonight. His players really just started saying, fuck it, and we're going to start putting pucks on that. Exactly what they did. Kurashev, his first goal of the night. Nobody expected that puck to go in. He was just trying to put a, uh, a puck on net, maybe hope for a rebound. or even. I think that was the same way with Kaner's, too. I think Kaner was just trying to put it on net but snuck it through. I think he was, too. I mean, you know, Kane maybe, you know, how good he is. Yeah, Kane's elite, so he he, he might have been going for it there. But at the end, I saw it's why we scored a lot of goals. We were just putting pucks on net. I mean, that second goal by Kuwik was an absolute piss missile. Awesome to see it. And that's what I'm saying. He's got that shot. He just needs to take it. And I'm happy. Hopefully, he he deserves more ice time after his playing time tonight. He played very well, and hopefully that's kind of a good fuck you to Jeremy Cowden because I think he's starting to get fed up with the way he's been treated on that third line. 100%. Let me just read you guys some stat lines um, because if you really look at it and dive deep into it, we we dominated most of every category. Um, 34 shots, there are 28 shots on goal, um, 56.3% face-off percentage wins, plays tonight. Um we had 24 hits compared to their 18. I love that. I love big physical Hawks team. I said that on last episode, and, you know, it just kind of gets me hard in the pants. You know, I just got to love when some guys are just 
slamming some motherfuckers to the ice. Definitely. Um, and then, you know, we just were save percentage is just a little lower because we lost by one goal, you know. Uh, I, you know. I think this is a step in the right direction. And like we said in our last uh, post game, this is going to be development. We have to build on things. So we have to get better and understand what we need to work on. So if they can continue to do that, we're going to start to see games where we're winning by goals. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's another great step in the right direction, especially um, of uh, those last. I mean, the, we, we just got to cut down the goals. It's, it, we can't be giving up five goals a game and expecting this, um, you know, underskilled team to score. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I hate to say it like that. But it's, it's just true. Kane Kane doesn't have much help out there. DeBrinca still had a pretty good game. He would have assists. He was still um, he was still positive a point. So we just need players like that to step up and contribute. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to shed some light on the power play tonight. We were two for two, which is if you would have said that last year, that would have been absolutely remarkable. But yeah. uh, this year, awesome. The power play has been really good so far this year. Now the power play defensively tonight absolutely killed us, uh, giving up three goals on the power play. You're not going to win a game if you give up three goals on a power play. Uh, they were three for four tonight. We did get one to go the complete two minutes. But gotta gotta give up less uh, power play goals. I think Lincoln did a pretty good job tonight. He did give up a couple rebounds that cost him. Uh, Pat, how did you feel about the power play in Lincoln tonight? Uh, I mean, our power play is awesome to see you. I think at this point we've scored five power play goals in four games, which is unheard of based off the past two seasons we've had. Even when Joe Quenville was here, we struggled on the power play. So it's been good to see that so far, especially I think both goals tonight came from that second that second unit on the power play. It wasn't even that top line, which is awesome to see. And honestly, at that point, you need to throw Kubelik on that top line. You need to throw Keith on that top line. And I, I honestly, I, I love Boquist a lot. You need to bench him. You really do. Uh, Calvi Yuck, I think, is the our seventh defenseman. He needs to get some playing time. And Boquist, if if Cowden such this guy to be able to sit down and speak with these young guys and get their heads right, you got to do it now because he just hasn't been playing well. Um, our power plays look good. Again, the penalty kill, it's not that we have a bad penalty kill. It's just we turn the puck over way too much in our own zone when we're, getting, we're trying to clear the puck. We, we struggle to get the puck out of our zone. And... You know, I th- I do think Lankinen played well. Um, in terms of speaking, in terms of fundamentals, um, he had one hiccup that I really noticed, which was him and Dehan just miscommunicating on a puck behind the net. But in terms of like the way he's played tonight, compared to what Subban and Delia did, I don't hate it. Agreed. I, I think he looked it. a lot more solid in that. Yeah, I, especially in overtime, he had two huge saves in overtime, and that last goal. I mean, he got caught hugging that right post, and he just got beat across his face on the left side, yeah. which sucks to see. But he had two huge saves in that power play. He had a couple. That was one thing I want to talk about our defense is they had two or three breakaways because the Hawks were just sleeping on getting back on defense, and Florida was executing on those long outlet passes. So I don't think Lincoln looked too bad, but we just were taking way too many penalties, especially Duncan Keith. You're a type of guy that we really need out there on the, the PK. And I mean, he's had, I think he's had a penalty in every game so far this season, whether it's uh, interference, uh, interference of hooking, or I think he had a a high sticking tonight. He did have a high sticking, yeah. I mean, really, if we just cut down on the penalties and become more disciplined, I like our chances a little bit better. I think we probably win this game if we don't have, if we say give up two penalties instead of, uh, instead of four. Um, So overall, I I think fundamentally looked a lot better. I think we just, I give, I give props to Cowden because this team didn't quit. Um, They easily could have quit after the third goal. 
But they just went out and started having fun, and they started putting pucks on net. And in a type of season like this, you really need to see to hunker down and put pucks on net and see what happens because it's gonna stuff like tonight is gonna happen where you're going up against a very good goaltender, Bobrovsky. He's not gonna see some of those. You're gonna get some lucky bounces. You're gonna get some crazy redirects. Uh, it was Kubik's first goal that went off the hand of a Panthers uh, defenseman that was in the middle of the, in front of the net. Mm-hmm. You just got to start doing it. If you can't develop an offense and you're losing guys like Heath or excuse me like Taze and Doc, you got to do what you can do best and put pucks on that man, and the shit's gonna start falling your way just like it did tonight. Um, I want to talk about Boquist for a second here. Uh, he did have an assist tonight, but only one shot on goal. Do you still you are you still strong behind that he needs to sit next game? Yeah, I don't hate the idea of him sitting just one to two games. Granted, he did leave for, uh, I think, the back half of the first period. He was injured for a little bit. He did miss some time on the ice. But at this point, I mean, you're a young guy. You have a lot of skill. You're just, you just don't really have the, the hockey IQ, the on-ice IQ. You're going to start getting in your head really easily. I mean, you guys play baseball. I'm sure that if you have two, three straight at-bats where you're just not hitting, you're not seeing the ball right, you're going to get in your head pretty bad. I think it's exactly what's going on with Boquist, and I think there's a certain point where you try to let him play it out and try to let him fix it on his own, and then you need to just sit him out and, and talk to him a little bit. And he's got a great defensive core around him. He's got guys like Zadaroff. He's got guys like Keith. Uh, I'm sure Zebrook, if he's around, he's able to talk to him too. Uh, I, I don't I don't hate the idea of, of him sitting. I love that he's paired up with Calvin DeHaan. I think it's a great matchup with him. Uh, but I do think just one or two games, let's let him, let him catch his breath, let him kind of watch some film, think things over, and I, I don't hate it at all. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point too, Pat, because um, there is a saying in baseball, when you're not hitting well, take a day off, and if you're hitting well, keep on playing. So I think if he just has you know, one or two games to kind of reset his mind, um, hopefully some coaches um, or veterans in the locker room can kind of talk to him and see what he's kind of seeing and what they're seeing, and if they can just kind of all – work together hopefully they can work some kinks out and hopefully they can get back to the hopefully the focus that we we kind of know can skate out there you know it's, it's just kind of sucks to see what he's what he's producing right now right yeah it'd be nice to get him close to the potential that we thought we were going to get with him uh so player of the game let's get into that uh i think it's pretty obvious from my end where kubelik's gonna get it uh just a great game from him two goals and an assist I mean, it's nice to see him kind of have that fuck you attitude tonight. And uh, like Pat said, he had that piss missile for his second goal. And the first one, I mean, hey, put the puck on net, found its way in. That's what you got to do, especially with a guy like that who had an awesome season last year. It's nice to see him get going. If I'm going to go with mine, I think I got to go with Andrew Shaw. I just like the way he played on the ice today. I think PT said it best. We were a physical team. We out hit them. I think Zadaroff and Shaw were really just playing with a chip on their shoulder, trying to bring some sort of a spark to our team. Um, you always saw Shaw at the front of the net. You know, if Shaw's not the one bringing the puck in, he's going to find his home right in that blue paint. And I think he did that a lot tonight. It's kind of getting under the skin of uh, guys like Keith Yandel. I, I like Shaw's performance a lot. It doesn't reflect on the, on the stat sheet, but I just think he offers that physical aspect. You know, PT said it last episode. Where we had guys like uh, Daniel Carcillo, uh, John Scott, Bufflin, stuff like that. Guys like that, they're just there. They know their role perfectly on the ice. Uh, I like Shaw last night. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a physical guy, too. My eyes just bulge out of my head. Zadarov, nine hits. That's incredible. That's like that's pretty um, unseen, and I love to see that. Um, and 24-plus uh, minutes, two on the ice. So um, love to see that. Um, and hopefully he can kind of 
him and Shaw can kind of keep up that physical mentality and, you know, keep on putting people on the ice. Yeah, uh, definitely a better showing tonight from the Hawks, still falling 5-4 to four in OT, coming very close to their first win of the year. They will be playing Detroit at 7 o'clock on Friday. We also have our next Bulls game on Friday, so you'll get a double post-game on Friday. Uh, hopefully, we can get a win against Detroit because they suck ass. And, of sure course, so. the rivalry is strong, so it'll be fun to watch the rivalry of Detroit and Chicago kind of bring us back to that Winter Classic game from 10 years oh. ago now. Oh, God, that's 2009, 2010, yeah. Holy fuck. I remember, I remember that game like it was yesterday. Holy I do, cow. too, man. My first my first Blackhawks jersey was a Marion Hosa jersey from that year's Winter Classic jersey. So I, still got, I still got it. it you know, know, that's funny, Pat, because that was my first Hawks jersey, too. Yeah, man. Those were, those were one of, easily one of my favorite jerseys of all time. That's awesome. Yeah, so we get to see him play on Friday. Uh, hopefully a win. Squeak it out. But now we got some more business to discuss here. Uh, we usually call it an episode after uh, we do our post-game recap, which the Hawks played today. But we're going to talk about a little baseball because we got two big pieces of news coming out. We're going to start with the most recent news that has been kind of White Sox Twitter's on fire right now. It, there's rumors going around. No, none of these rumors have been talked about by a blue check uh, Twitter account yet. So that's why I'm kind of still little on the edge of if it might happen or not. White Sox Dave has talked about it. So you're probably wondering what that deal is. And it would be the White Sox giving up Nick Madrigal, Cody Hoyer, Jared Kelly, who was our second round pick last year, a high school pitcher from Texas who throws absolute heat and Zach Collins. And in return, we would be getting from the Brewers, Corbin Burns, and Omar Narvaez. It would be nice to see Omar back. Corbin Burns would be a nice pickup. Uh, we were talking about it earlier in 2019, Burns had a near 9 ERA, and last year bounced back with a 2.1. Absolutely filthy. But I got I to gotta put the red light on this trade for the main fact of who we're giving up. We would be giving up Madrigal, Jared Kelly, Zach Collins, and there's one more that I'm... Oh, Cody, Cody Hoyer. All of these guys are important pieces to this team. Nick Madrigal is our second baseman of the future. Cody Hoyer is our closing pitcher of the future. I know it's kind of up in the air with us signing Hendricks now. Zach Collins was supposed to be our backup. Kind of, I kind of want to see what Zach Collins can do because he's shown some pop in his bat. And Jared Kelly... I know this might surprise some of you, but I would this that's the last guy that I want I would want to give up in a trade. A high schooler that we drafted in the second round last year who throws absolute heat, can touch up to 98-99 as a starting pitcher in high school. I know there's some worries about him possibly getting Tommy John, but he could be an absolute anchor to our rotation in the next couple of years. But I get it. We're in win-now mode. We want to get pitchers that have proved themselves. Corbin Burns definitely proved himself last year, even though it was a interesting season barring COVID. So, boys, uh, I want to get your takes on uh, this trade. And I didn't even hear about it until Pat said anything to me. So, what are we feeling, boys? Yeah, 
credit to Pat too for kind of getting this information to us because I've never even seen it. Um, and no disrespect to um, Corbin Burns, but I've never heard of the kid. Um, you know, and I was like, who the hell is this? And then I kept on look, reading and I kept on seeing who we're giving up. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is this? Um, we were for this podcast too. Um, that this is a better haul than what the Cubs got for you, Darvish. And and I, it just blows my mind um, that this is even a possibility. And I'm praying to, um, I'm praying to the above that this doesn't happen um, because I just think it's just too much. There's too much um, potential that we're giving up. Um, Madrigal was in our lineup, MLB lineup last year, and I just think that he, like Mahoney said, I think he's our future second baseman. Hoyer's another piece in our bullpen um, that, that's going to be in there for a long time. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, and you know, I think I'd rather go spend money for Trevor Bauer. Um, it's just it's just something that I just, I, I would be very disappointed if it happened. Yeah, I also, two more things, Pat, before you uh, give how you're feeling. Uh, if you look at Corbin Burns' Wikipedia page, he is already listed as a Chicago White Sox starting <laughs> pitcher. So somebody got into there and uh, made sure that we know. Also, um. the Padres were close to a deal for Corbin Burns before they got you, Darvish. So that just shows two things. One, they had to give up less for you, Darvish, who's a better pitcher. Yeah. And they were probably going to give up more for Corbin Burns, who's less of a pitcher. So, okay, so here's my – I've said before in a couple other previous podcasts about how I feel about Nick Madrigal. I really do like him. I do think he's a pretty – pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? He can be moved pretty easily. Uh, I'm seeing on Twitter right now that a lot of people are saying that Madrigal is, is – that's Rick Hodge's baby. He's not letting him go anywhere for anything cheap. I personally wouldn't hate to see him go. The issue with my part of the issue with this trade is I don't like seeing Cody Hoyer leave. If honestly, if, if you're just looking at Cody Hoyer, Zach Counts, Magical, Cody Hoyer is my number one that I don't want to see leave. My big issue here is that we're not getting a second baseman in return. And from the tweet I saw, we're looking at Tommy Lestella coming in and taking second base, which again is money going away from potentially signing somebody like Trevor Bauer. In that case, I don't want Lestella. We, we still have Larry under contract, correct? Yes. So I, he's done the job plenty of times before. He's literally a Swiss Army knife. I, as much as I didn't, I give him shit talk behind the plate. He's a hell of a guy to have. That's the guy you want in your team to play any position you could possibly play. I'd rather him have him at second base than Tommy Lastella. So that's my issue. Is and now I don't know what the second base free agency looks like in the future next season. Here, here's the but, yeah. Here's the thing, Pat. So we kind of talked about it last episode with the shortstop class. The only way that I make this trade, the only way, is if I know that either Tim Anderson's going to second and we're signing one of these big shortstops like Trevor Story, Javi Baez, what, whoever it may be. I would love to see Trevor Story in a White Sox uniform, by the way. Uh, but we would have to move our infield around. We'd have to do all these changes. I just yeah. – I'd rather – Keep what we got instead of making this trade and spend $200 million, $250 million on Trevor Bauer. Right? I, you know, I, here's another thing, too. I, I totally agree with that. We're a major market team. 
You, yes, yes, we're not considered. We're not the Cubs, okay? But we are in Chicago, and we need to fucking act like we're in Chicago. We need to drop some dick and some money on the rest of the MLB. You know, the Padres are considered to be a mid to small, um, and, and look what they're doing, you know? So I, 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 I don't think that the White Sox can be scared and spending money right now. And I just I just don't feel comfortable shifting our, our, our infield around. We saw Mankata really wasn't the best at second, and he's found his home at third. Um, and, and, and Tim is, you know, I hate to say it, but this, this is Tim's team. And he and if he wants to be at short, he, he deserves to stay at short. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my thing, too, is, is talking about switching things up. Now, like I said, my issue here was not getting a good enough second baseman in return. And if, that's, if you if you're like that, who do you want? You want Lestella, Magical, or Larry Garcia? Obviously, it's no brainer. I want Magical to be playing. I don't, and I've said this before, as we were talking about third base, third third base. Uh, you had some stupid ass mock trade a couple episodes ago that was bringing who? Arenado. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, him coming in to take third, and we swap Yo-Yo to second. And I, I don't, I don't like Yo-Yo seeing him in second because of how he did defensively last time he was there. And I don't want that fucking up his his uh, kind of his groove behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Hey, I agree with you guys. I don't want the trade to happen because of what we're getting in return. I'd much rather take the money we have and spend it on an asset like uh, Trevor Bauer, where we really know what we're getting and we're just giving up money and not any assets. And that's kind of my piece with it. I'm hoping – I mean, it is an absolute shit show on Twitter right now. I mean, people are saying it's fake. People are saying it's official. Nobody knows. Everybody's really panicking. It makes zero sense. Um, Brandon said it best. Don't don't take anything for for or take everything with a grain of salt until you see a blue check mark. Tweet something about it. But um, it's crazy, man. I, I really, I just I can't see Rick Hahn making a trade like that. I, I just can't. There's no real reason to make that trade. There's no. You're not gaining enough. Like if you're, it's not that's not pushing a team that we have over the edge like. The Padres have done recently with the trade they made the other day with her Tower Musgrove, whatever his name is. Joe um, Musgrove. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a trade that could push them over the edge. This trade is not pushing us over the edge by any means. If anything, it's setting us back. So, I can't see Rick Hahn making this trade, but I mean, like I said, it was too big on Twitter right now to not discuss it. Yeah. A uh, couple more things uh, kind of with Corbin Burns before we kind of put this to rest. And if something happens, it happens. Uh, we, we have no control over it. So, But some interesting tidbits on this trade. We would be giving up that big of a haul for a number four or number five starting pitcher. He wouldn't be our number three, wouldn't be our number two. He might even not even be our number four with Keuchel. So. And we still have Kopech and Cease. That's the thing, too. Unless Rick Hahn knows something is going south with Kopech in training, or if he just feels like Cease is trade bait at this point, unless Rick Hahn knows me, we don't. We still have, we have a solid five rotation right now. Yes. Uh, another I thing with Corbin. I, I said we don't need to make this trade. We really don't. No, we don't. And another thing with Corbin Burns, he's due to make the league minimum 570000 next year. And then we've got him for four years after that. So he, he'd be on the team for four-plus seasons, and he'd be making near to league minimum. So I don't know. That kind of makes things a little interesting to see how cheap he is. But I, I can't see it. I, I cannot give up those assets for this. If, it, if we do make this trade and it's for totally different players, I'm all for yeah. it. Okay. I'd rather maybe. give my spot with Corbin Burns than maybe as a number six guy or maybe a ro- – I don't know. 
but a different haul. Yeah, maybe even just like a Zach Collins with a, a lower prospect or something like that too. I'd be fine with that. But like, I I don't think Madrigal should be traded for any more than a top tier player. Madrigal would be yeah. traded for a top tier player. Right. Here's the thing too: is Madrigal still on his rookie deal? So what? He can't be making anything stupid right now. No, Zach, no, not at all. No, no, yeah, all. Zach Collins isn't either. No, uh, neither is Cody Hoyer. Moore, neither is Hoyer. Neither is Jared Kelly. Exactly. So like, it's not. This isn't a cap dump. Like, if say we were throwing off maybe like a guy that was getting ten to fifteen mil a year for this trade, and then you could start speculating the ideas of us shifting off cap in order to be able to potentially go. Well, here's the thing, ball, though. There, there's sense. no cap in baseball, so right. But like, you know, Jerry's cheapskate, though. That is he's true. Gonna ha- he's got a big market team that he's going to act like it's a small market. So if we were dumping cap in this trade, then you could speculate the ideas we're just freeing up space in order to get Trevor Bauer. But that's not the case either. So I think there's no logic from an outsider's perspective unless Rick Hahn knows something is going wrong between Caesar Kopech. There's no, there's no legitimate reason from an outsider's perspective to make this trade. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to put that to rest now. If something happens, we'll, we'll be make sure to put it all over Twitter and everything to make sure you guys can see. But as of now, no rumblings, no blue check marks. The only person that has said anything is White Sox Dave. And he didn't say it was a done deal, so going to let it be. Now we're going to move on to the north side where the Cubs lost probably one of the most impactful players for their 2016 World Series win. That'd be John Lester signing a one-year deal, $5 million with the Washington Nationals. There are two teams that I want to say fucked this up royally. The first being the Cubs and the second being the Boston Red Sox. Both of these teams fucked this up. John Lester helped the Red Sox win a World Series, helped the Cubs win a World Series. $5 million for two teams that aren't competing for anything is absolute blasphemy. He John Lester told the Cubs, all I want is to, to play with the Cubs. That's all I want to do, play with the Cubs. Nationals gave him a one-year $5 million offer. He goes to the Cubs, says, hey, if you can match this, I'm going to stay. It, even if it's a little bit lower, I'll stay. All I want to do is play with the Cubs. The Cubs said, go fuck yourself, thanks for nothing, and put him on his way. John Lester, without John Lester, the Cubs might not win that World Series. The impact that he had in the clubhouse, the impact he had on how good he was on the field. The Cubs aren't competing for anything. Their rotation right now, the first two are somewhat solid with Hendricks and then Mills. It's kind of up in the air. The other three spots are absolutely terrible. Why not give one of those spots to a proven guy who's done so much for your team? Just have them play out. Maybe, who knows, Who knows? maybe we have fans in the stands this year, and he gets to get that proper goodbye from the fans. The Cubs have spent no money. $5 million is nothing, especially after getting rid of that huge contract from John Lester. Sign him to a one-year five-mil deal. Sign him to a one-year four-mil deal. I bet you he would take it. For everything that this guy has done for the city, I can't believe that they couldn't get a deal done. Now, Boston, you... You're connected to every single free agent, yet you're not signing anybody. Spend some money for a guy that 
everybody in Boston loves. Everybody loves John Lester. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, follow the guys at Barstool, but the guys from Boston, all they do is talk about how much of an impact John Lester has and how John Lester is still involved in the community in Boston. And, of course, he's very strong in the community in Chicago. For neither of these teams to give a shot to John Lester for one more season, probably one last goodbye to baseball for John Lester, for them not to give him a chance is just a disgrace to baseball. And it's just, it makes the teams look terrible, especially the Cubs. How, how are you? Well, I will say this. The Nationals got a great guy in John Lester. I will say that. Yeah, what a scumbag move by the Cubs. Um, and I can't, and I can't really decide what was more scummy. Um, the Blackhawks letting go of Crawford or, um, yeah, you know, well, Crawford probably needed a little bit more money. Um, but, you know, the guy, the guy's asking, I'm saying, hey, man, I want to be back. I want to be back with in your uniform. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, what? Like, I don't understand what the Cubs are doing. They're starting to fall into the Chicago spin fucking cycle of what, what the fuck is our front office doing? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it's, it's very disappointing. Um, because I, I, I did have, you know, as, as, as much as, you know, um, I'm a beloved White Sox fan. I had a respect for what the Cubs have done. Um, and this just, I mean, it almost throws it all away. It's, 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 it's kind of embarrassing. So I want to shed some light on, on the situation because, Brandon, I don't know if you know this information, PT. I don't know if you know this. So David Kaplan, a legend in Great Chicago. Great guy. Chicago awesome guy to listen to. Awesome guy to listen to to an extent because he really rambled about the Cubs, and that's exactly yeah. what he did today. Him and Jay Hood on their it's a seven a.m. to ten a.m. Uh, pod or episode or radio show on ESPN one thousand. I woke up early for work and I heard the Western news last night, so I, I had to tune in just because I knew Cap was really going to let loose. From what Kaplan said on his show, that uh, John Lester went to Tom Ricketts personally through his cell phone, called Tom Ricketts, the owner personally, and was like, "Listen, let's work something out. I want to stay here." And Tom said to his face. We can't do anything right now. We need to move some more money around. We cannot make you an offer. Time passes. The Nationals make him an offer. And Tom Ricketts is like, oh, shit. Oh, we can make you this offer. And, and Lester was kind of like, no. You you would have just lied to my face and you couldn't make an offer just to wait and see if another team was going to. Mm-hmm. And also to make to make this even worse of a situation, he got a one-year five. So he had a $10 million payout from the Cubs. Five year to or five million to go to play one year in Washington. Ultimately, in retrospect, he's trying to play one more year to probably hit that two hundred uh, win mark. I'm pre- pretty sure is what he's close to. From what Kaplan said this morning, he was willing to take three and a half million from the Cubs to stay in Chicago. He's also willing to defer that payment, so he wouldn't have been even he wouldn't have played. So that gives the been, Cubs no excuse, no excuse, none at all. No, no, no. And now, and now Danny Zetterman, who is the producer for the Kaplan show, he went on to say, now Zetterman is, is a White Sox fan. He res- or no, excuse me, he is a Cubs fan. He's a, he, he loves John Lester. Kaplan was pretty pissed off about the way they treated Lester in the situation, rightfully so. Zetterman was like, listen, that's business. That's what just happened. That's what happens. And yes, you're right. That is what happens. But the fact that it's Lester not good went business. Him, the fact that Lester went to him personally, Ricketts lied to him and said they couldn't make a deal until they shipped the money around. And then the Nationals entered the picture 
and they offer him a deal, and, and Ricketts like, oh, I have to try to match this. The fact that he offered a, a million and a half pay cut over a deferred time period because he understands the organization is not a good spot. I mean, guys, I don't care what team you root for, whether you can get two shits about baseball, you look at that from an outside perspective, and that is just a giant fuck you to John Lester. Here, I, if you want to talk business, let's talk business here. Okay, John Lester <laughs> is seven wins away from win number 200, which could possibly get him over that hump to get to the Hall of Fame, right? Okay. Think of the money that they would be paying John Lester, so $3.5 million. And it's deferred, so possibly what? million at the next three years, 750000 for the next six, whatever it is. They will make more money than that contract will with merchandise around John Lester with 200 wins, him possibly going into the Hall of Fame as a Cub. I, I mean, just there's so many different... What, Pat? He's not going in the Hall of Fame as a Cub. Who, no. who would he go in as? He's going with the Red Sox. I think you could put up an uh, argument. I think you could put up an argument that his best seasons were with the Cubs. I am well, not anymore. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, I think 130 of his wins are right around there with the Red Sox, with the World Series there too. Granted, the reason why, I do think the reason why the Cubs won the World Series was with Game Three in Wrigley. Hey, maybe he'll West go in as an Oakland Day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do agree with you. I do agree in terms of business, what you're talking about. I don't see him going in as a club. Because he's going to be a borderline. He's hit or miss in terms of hitting the Hall of Fame. Which is kind of crazy to think about. You have two World Series rings and you're pushing 200 wins. You might not make the Hall of Fame. I, I think if I, he hits 200, which I think he will this season, he's seven away. I think he will. Uh, but I agree. Okay, we can agree on that. I think it's as a Red Sox. I don't think it's he's coming in with the Cubs. Yeah, I could agree with that. I was just trying to say if there was a shot. But either way, they would still make money off of John Lester merchandise of him going into the Hall of Fame and him getting 200 wins, which would give them more money on that Lester contract. So uh, there was no reason for them not to sign John Lester. And for it to be a business decision is the stupid ar- stupidest argument that could possibly come out of this deal. All right. So that does it for this episode. Got to rant a little bit about some baseball news. Talked about the Blackhawks falling 5-4 to four to the Panthers in OT. Reminder that they do play on Friday against the Red Wings. And the the Bulls play against the Hornets at 7 o'clock on Friday as well. So we'll get those both post games out on Friday. Be fun to watch uh, Ja Morant. Or not Ja Morant. Uh, LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be nice to see him. Uh, So two exciting games coming up. The Blackhawks could possibly get their first win of the season, which would be nice to see against a very bad Detroit Red Wings team. So make sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all the good stuff. Uh, Make sure to listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you in the next one. Center for Kane, he's gone! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Taves! The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawks win! Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away!
the 20.